Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. It's me, your host, Amy Bailey, and I am back from vacation. I had taken last week off and just really spent some time at the beach with my family. Didn't take any work, um, any homeschooling activities, did not set an alarm, and we just enjoyed family time and I would say relaxation, but I'm not sure that's true when you have three kids. So wasn't 100% relaxing, but it was nice because it was just downtime for me and my family. So I'm back. And I wanted to talk to y'all about something I did an Instagram post on this week. So I did an Instagram post asking women what they did not feel prepared for postpartum, what their doctors or providers did not talk to them about and prepare them that it might happen. Now, there was a long list of the concerns that came in, but the most common concern that I got was leaking after pregnancy. So I kind of wanted to talk about that today, and I just want to let you know it doesn't just happen after pregnancy. People leak urine at many different times of their life. In fact, some people have been bedwetters or leaked urine um, throughout their entire life, and they just don't talk about it. So um, this doesn't specifically um, have to do just with the postpartum period, but it was the most common question that I got in my DMs. So I wanted to talk a little bit about incontinence. So incontinence is just leaking urine or feces when you don't mean to do so. You are not intentionally going to the bathroom to have a bowel movement or to pee. So I want to focus specifically on stress incontinence today. There are different types of incontinence. There is stress incontinence, urge incontinence, and mixed incontinence. So Stress incontinence is the one that I got the most questions about, and it is when you leak urine, when you are jumping, coughing, sneezing, yelling, running, Um, and I'm just talking about urine today. Feces are a whole different bag of worms, so I just want to focus on stress incontinence for urine today. Um, Urge incontinence is, oh, and I want to say something else about stress incontinence. So with stress incontinence, typically you don't feel like you have to pee. It is typically out of the blue. You are hanging out, doing your thing, you sneeze and pee on yourself. Um, With urge incontinence, usually you have a strong sensation to go and you just cannot make it on time. Um, Maybe you have to pee and you've been driving around and you finally get home, put your key in the lock and there it goes. With mixed incontinence, it is just a mixture of both of them. You have both types of incontinence. So the thing, the question that I got the most was, how do I stop peeing on myself when I jump on the trampoline with my kids? And y'all, this happened to me. If you've heard my story, um, I have three children and did not have any incontinence until after the third. So I didn't expect it, which I know is not super smart. Being a pelvic floor PT, you would think maybe I would have prepared for this. But since I didn't have to have it after my first or second, After I had my third, I just, I went out on the trampoline. I mean, I was several weeks postpartum. I didn't immediately go out on the trampoline. Um, I can't remember how far along postpartum was I was, but probably three months or more. Went and jumped on the trampoline, which I had done for many years with my kids. And I go out there and literally 
pants are soaked. I was so embarrassed. I could not believe that it happened to me. Had to go inside, literally wash off and change my pants. That's how significant it was. It wasn't just a dribble. And my kids knew it. They laughed about it. My two older ones are much older than my youngest. So they were of the age where they knew mom had peed on herself and it was funny. So of course, at that point, I kind of knew what to do. I knew how to help myself get the help that I needed to stop that problem. But I wasn't prepared for it. And I think a lot of women are just not prepared when it starts happening. So that's the question I get. How can I stop peeing on myself when I jump on the trampoline or when I go for a run? And people want, I'm going to go back to it. People want a quick fix and there is not a quick fix for this. It takes time. There are different causes for incontinence, even for stress incontinence. It's not always a weakness issue. And I think a lot of times people just, you know, tell their friends, oh, we'll do your kegels. Um, kegels are just a pelvic floor strengthening exercise. It is hard to do if you've never really been instructed on exactly how to do it. And that's what I find in my clients when I'm assessing them, that a lot of clients don't do them correctly. And so a pelvic floor contraction or a Kegel was created by a gynecologist, Arnold Kegel, and it is a true squeeze and lift of our pelvic floor and then a full relaxation. Just like if you were doing a bicep curl, you would contract your bicep and then you would fully relax it before you tried to contract it again. But what I've found is that that coordination of our pelvic floor can sometimes get disrupted, especially after carrying and birthing a baby. But at other times of our life, too, there can be a disruption where people do not do that pelvic floor contraction correctly. So what I find is that some people actually bear down or push down with their pelvic floor instead of squeezing and lifting. And this is going to create a lengthening of the tissue so that is going to not support our pelvic floor but it's actually going to stretch out certain tissues of our pelvic floor if you're doing it over and over if you're trying to strengthen and you're actually bearing down you're putting a stretch on the pelvic floor which could actually make it weaker and make you more prone to some other problems some people um, they just get the squeeze portion but they don't get the lift and so that's not a full contraction, and that's not doing as much strengthening as we would need to keep our pelvic floor strong and healthy. Um, some people, their timing is off. Maybe right side is stronger than left side, or maybe the front part of their pelvic floor is stronger than their back, or just vice versa. So having a pelvic floor assessment, which I'll talk about at the end, is critical to understand what's going on and are you even doing that Kegel correctly? So blindly prescribing or telling your friends or your clients to do Kegels is not a great idea. Um, and I am not of the camp that says don't ever do Kegels. I think they are a great exercise for the right population if dosed properly. So incontinence or specifically stress incontinence can be caused by muscle weakness. So a Kegel might be the exact right exercise to do for that person, but it could also be caused by someone who has tightness of their pelvic floor. Now, pelvic floors, they do what? They contract, they relax, and they lengthen or bear down. So if someone's pelvic floor does not ever relax, and think of that person who is a high stress person and they keep their shoulders up by their ears all the time and they never bring their shoulders down, same thing with our pelvic floor. If we're holding tension in our pelvic floor and never bringing it down to baseline, then we're probably going to have pain, number one. But that muscle is not contracting and relaxing properly, which inhibits the normal flow to get our urine in and out. So we have um, a voluntary and an 
involuntary sphincter to help with our urine control. So that involuntary sphincter, we have no control over that. If there's a problem in that system, we can't fix it ourselves. We need to go to a specialist. Now, if there is a problem in the voluntary sphincter, that is where we can make a difference um, as any person, if their own sphincter for that voluntary can make a difference. So, but if you have a tight pelvic floor that is not relaxing, it is affecting that sphincter. So it doesn't matter what you do. If you're not relaxing it, you can't get the full benefit of a Kegel. So uh, for those type of patients who have a non-relaxing pelvic floor, I actually do not ever prescribe Kegels. I do the reverse and I do something called down training. But um, just so you know, don't blindly tell people to do Kegels because that can create an opposite problem. If a, if a muscle is tight, we don't want to tighten it further because that will lead to pain eventually, but it also leads to more leaking. So different things that can cause that stress incontinence. I mentioned weakness of your pelvic floor, tightness of your pelvic floor, discoordination of your pelvic floor. So sometimes I'll ask people to squeeze their pelvic floor and they bear down or I ask them to bear down and they squeeze. They just, their brain and body is not connecting well to make the right movements happen at the right time. Sometimes I might ask someone to squeeze their pelvic floor and it takes them a good five seconds to connect that body brain to get the contraction. They know how to do it, but it just takes more time to do it. And that is a coordination problem. So if you're sneezing and your pelvic floor doesn't react until after, five seconds after the sneeze, then you have leakage. So working on that coordination, again, that might be helped by doing some kegels, but it needs to be prescribed correctly again. So going back to just causes of stress incontinence, um, scar tissue can affect how that muscle contracts and relaxes. So some women have scar tissues from different surgical procedures um, that they've had vaginally, maybe a DNC, maybe a hysterectomy, um, a tear from a vaginal delivery or an episiotomy. All of these things can, and some other things too, but those are some of the things that can cause scar tissue right at our perineum. And sometimes that scar tissue is not addressed. And this is one thing that I talk about often um, on Instagram and with my clients is that all scars need to be massaged. And this is any scar. So it's not just your, uh, your episiotomy scar, but it's also your scar on your knee if you had a knee surgery. It's your scar on your abdomen if you had a C-section or a gallbladder removal or an appendectomy. Um, so scar tissue remodeling is really important because we need those tissues to lay down their fibers well so that tissue moves. If that scar tissue is not ever addressed, then you're going to have a tight area of skin that does not move as readily as the rest of your skin. And you can feel that on any scar you have. If it's not been mobilized correctly, it will be stiff, it will be hard. And can you imagine how, if that is at your perineum, how hard it would be to contract and relax those muscles properly? So scar tissue is another um, reason that we can have incontinence. Um, another one is just hormone changes. Um, as women, we have cyclical changes monthly, and different things can disrupt our hormones. Um, it can be a pregnancy. It can be a postpartum period where we're still nursing or our hormones are trying to get back on track after being pregnant. Um, perimenopause and menopause can change our hormones. Um, not paying attention to our body and our health. Um, I've talked about red S syndrome before. It's the symptom, um, a syndrome of an athlete where they are not nurturing their system. So they may have missed periods, which any hormone disruption, if you are not having a normal 
cycle, and this is one thing I think all women should do is track your cycle so you know what's normal for you and what's not normal for you. So when there are changes, you can address them. But um, hormone ch changes can definitely affect our incontinence and our stress incontinence. So specifically, estrogen has a big role in our bladder health. And so if you know um, how your cycles are going and when you're supposed to have peak estrogen versus low estrogen, low estrogen a lot of times will affect leaking. And that's um, especially true as women for going through perimenopause and menopause because our estrogen levels start dropping as we go through that change. And it's not the end of the world. I always want to give people hope. We are meant to age as humans, and we are meant to go through these cyclical um, stages through our lives, but we just need to understand that our bodies may change and how to address it at those times. So um, how do we fix it, I guess, is the big problem. We've got the causes. We can have weakness of our pelvic floor. We can have decreased coordination. We can have tightness. We can have scar tissue. Um, we can have hormone changes. There can also be an injury. Um, so if you fell on your bottom and your uh, pelvis is rotated, um, then your muscles, and that goes back to coordination, but a lot of times your muscles aren't coordinating well because you've got an anatomical change to your body. Um, but what do we do in that case? Now, my first example or first suggestion is always going to be get assessed by a pelvic floor PT so you can find out exactly what's going on and why you're leaking. Um, a lot of OBs, uh, GYNs, urologists, uh, midwives, they are not classically trained. That doesn't mean they haven't had training, but uh, generally most of them do not get training in their, um, in their uh, basic training to understand the role of the muscles of the pelvic floor. They are not trained how to internally assess a true contraction, relaxation, and lengthening of the pelvic floor. As pelvic floor PTs, muscles are our job. They're our life. And that's the training that we get as specialists in this field. And I've found, I have not found one MD who knows how to assess it. I have found some midwives who have been trained, but usually they were trained by a physical therapist. So I just, I really want to let you know you should get your doctor or midwife in the loop, but you really truly need an assessment by a pelvic floor PT to understand why you're leaking. And then you can figure out the game plan. Because if you're given the wrong prescription, like if you're just given that blanket prescription of Kegels and you have a tight pelvic floor, you're going to end up still leaking, but now leaking with pain. And nobody wants that. So um, first of all is get a true assessment of your pelvic floor. Second of all, find a provider who doesn't just prescribe you kegels. You want to find a provider. Number one, kegels are just boring. And I found that if you just give a blanket prescription of those, people don't do them. They may do them for a day or two, but they're not going to stop at every red light and squeeze five times or whatever. Um, so you want to find a provider who's going to assess you from head to toe and make sure that there are other systems that might be uh, working properly. You want to assess breathing and core control and core strength and make sure the whole system is functioning properly. And then someone who's going to prescribe you not just pelvic floor contractions, pelvic floor relaxations, but also functional movement that incorporates the pelvic floor contraction. Our pelvic floor is really smart. It's actually an anticipatory muscle. So our pelvic floor should, when it's healthy and doing what it's supposed to, contract before we do something. It anticipates movement. So for instance, I'm just sitting right here at a desk right now. So if I decided that I needed to go get a drink of water, my pelvic floor should contract before I get up and walk across the room. It does not stay contracted the whole time I walk, but it anticipates my movement 
and grades it according to my activity. So walking across the room is not a hard activity for me. So um, it's going to contract a little, just enough to support my body to walk across the room. Now, if my fire alarm went off, then my pelvic floor better react quickly. It better react strongly in order to support me to run out of this building. So I think that's really amazing when you think about it, that our pelvic floor actually can anticipate our movement and grade its activity based on what we are about to do. And that's when things get a little fuzzy when we have pelvic floor dysfunction or specifically stress incontinence, that pelvic floor may not react quickly enough or strongly enough to protect us from whatever that hard action is. So if we, you know, if we leak when we jump, our pelvic floor, it may be contracting before we jump. It may actually anticipate that movement. It just may not be doing it fast enough or strong enough or both. So finding a provider who's not just going to prescribe you the kegels, but also going to like look at you and have you jump and see what you look like when you're jumping, how you're breathing when you're jumping, what your posture looks like when you're jumping, and then put all those pieces together to complete the puzzle to stop that urinary incontinence. So that's just um, kind of my little soapbox tonight. Wanted to give y'all just a little bit of information on stress incontinence since it was the most common question that I got. Um, reach out to me if you have any questions. If you need a pelvic floor assessment by a PT, um, I'm in Nashville and Mount Juliet, but we are so blessed in Nashville. We have lots of pelvic floor PTs. And so um, if you need another one besides me, I know different pelvic floor PTs who take insurance versus myself who I'm out of network with insurance. Um, but, you know, just reach out. I will be more than happy to give you some other names besides myself. And um, But I think that is critical. I know it's scary to reach out to a pelvic floor PT and think about getting an internal exam, but all the therapists that I know make this easy. They make you comfortable, and they're really just there to help. They never want this to be an uncomfortable or embarrassing situation. Um, I'm a woman. I've had internal exams, and I also have experienced leaking postpartum, so I know the stress that comes with that. I know the embarrassment that comes with not only a pelvic exam, but the leaking, and you know, I don't want women to be scared to jump on a trampoline with their kids. I don't want women to be scared to go on a jog or to have to buy expensive panty liners and pads every day just to protect themselves um, or wash their panties multiple times because they're leaking and changing underwear so often um, because it becomes a dignity issue and it a lot of times will limit us from social activities or even from physical activities. And if you can stop the leaking so you can jump on a trampoline with your kids, I mean, hallelujah, we all need to be doing that. So anyway, I just wanted to talk to y'all a little bit about that tonight, and I hope everyone is having a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks.